Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Best Seller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Andrew Tarvin. He is the author of Humor That Works, The Missing Skill for Success and Happiness at Work. Great to have you with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I was so excited to get this book because it's not often you get a book about humor in the workplace. Are mm-hmm. there many books out there that tackle this topic? Uh, there are some. They have uh, different uh, approaches around humor. There's some that are more from an academic perspective, uh, some older books that are a little bit of introducing you into the topic. But my goal was really to write a book that was actionable, that people could read and then start to implement humor into the workplace immediately. Why is that so important? Why is it a missing skill? I used to work at Procter & Gamble, and I remember being in this incredibly boring meeting, like where to the point that you wanted to be doing anything else. And the problem, of course, was that I was the one leading the meeting. (laughs) And I was like, all right, if I'm bored while talking, they have to be bored while listening. And so I started to incorporate some of the things that I was learning in improv and stand-up that I started doing in college and realized that I was getting better results. And I realized at some point that we learn a lot of the skills that we need to be effective at our job, but we never learn the skills to actually enjoy our job. And that's really kind of the focus of Humor in the Workplace, not only to get better results, but to have more fun while doing it. So, but to have more fun, mm-hmm. speaking from personal experience, and I, I noticed that in the book, it's not necessarily about learning how to be funnier. You wrote it's about being more more effective, in other words, effective-er. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to be effectiver in effective-er, the workplace. Yeah, right. it's to, to get better results because at the end of the day, we still work with humans and humor is one of those great ways to, you know, relieve stress or to increase productivity. And yeah, so it's really about that duality of getting better results and having fun or being more productive, less stressed and happier. So who is the target reader? Is this for a C-suite executive, a leader, a boss, or is this for at any level of the organization? It's really any level. Right. I do a lot of work with um entire organizations and with senior leaders, but uh, really it's about the individual. It's any person who wants to kind of get to that next level, whether it is to get a promotion or to get a, to get a new role or get a new job. And it's really about um, taking ownership of your work because I believe that you are responsible for your own happiness. And this is about kind of taking control of the workplace and saying, oh no, I'm going to find ways to enjoy what I do. Right. So just to take it a step back for a moment, you mentioned that mm-hmm. anecdote about this is the most boring speech ever and you happen to be giving <laughs> the speech. So from that moment on, you, you mentioned you, you incorporated your improv skills and your comedic skills. Can you tell us a little bit more specifically what you did and the change and the impact? Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah. by a little bit of way of background, uh, I have a degree in computer science and engineering. So I've always been obsessed with efficiency, like I said, with the name and even to the point that I was born three weeks early. 
So apparently even in the womb, I was like, I'm ready to go right, right now. Let's do this, mom. Right. Uh, let's go. Uh, and uh, in, in college, I started doing improv and stand-up. And so I, I started to bring that in as a project manager when I was at P&G. So I started to add jokes at the end of my emails and started teaching improv exercises to my, my team resources and started including pictures of myself in my presentations. <laughs> no and, kidding. And yeah, notice people started to pay attention more. They were more engaged. And uh, I remember coming out of a meeting once and my coworker pulled me aside and she was like, Drew, I just want to thank you. And I had no idea what she was thanking me for. So of course I was like, it's about time. Uh, like, why are you thanking me? And she's like, right. oh, cause you made this project fun. And no one ever told you to do that, but I realized that you just decided to. And so it was that, that was kind of a moment where I realized like not only was the humor benefiting me, making it so that I enjoyed going to work more, but it also benefited the people that were experiencing it. So I'm curious, you're no longer at PNG, mm-hmm. right? But did you leave a humorous legacy? Are they still incorporating these tactics that you used and implemented? Yeah, they, they are. So I still go back and work with them on, uh, on different projects as, as well as uh, the fact that uh, while I was there, I was the self-proclaimed corporate humorist. So I uh, got business cards made. I wrote an internal blog and uh, my blog is still up as far as I know. And people still share uh, the, some of the articles that I wrote. Uh, for example, a, a big one that's popular is uh, at PNG, there's this 5E model of leadership, the kind of five traits that you needed to be a strong leader. So mm-hmm. I wrote the 5F model of unleadership, ah. the things that we do that accidentally demotivate the people right. uh, around us. And I still get emails every now and then from people at PNG that are like, hey, I came across this 5F model of unleadership <laughs> and just want to let you know that one, I thought it was funny, but two, it actually really helped me to stop doing some of the things that were, you know, micromanaging or demotivating right. my team. That's funny. Along those lines, as I was looking at the title of your book, I was wondering if there's going to be a sequel to this book, Humor That Doesn't Work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's what's to come. Absolutely. Well, and actually, that's a big focus of what we we work on is that, you know, for me as an engineer, it's about what is actually effective. Because if you think sometimes of things like startup culture, you have, you know, the ping pong tables and the bean bags and uh, all that kind of stuff. And that doesn't always work. It's not always effective. And so part of the book is around how to use humor appropriately really how to get better results and not say something inappropriate or get fired or anything like that. Right. You took the words out of my mouth, literally, because it's all about being appropriate mm-hmm. and humor can be a touchy subject. It what can. I think is funny, you may not think mm-hmm. is funny. So from a corporate standpoint and a corporate setting, Drew, how do you navigate that? Yeah, there's there's a couple of things that I think can help. I think the, the most important thing is understanding what I call your humor map. And uh, that stands for your medium, your audience, and your purpose. Oh. So, you know, your medium, if it's an email or presentation, you're going to use different styles of humor. Uh, then the audience is, you know, what the audience knows, what they need, what they expect, and also what your relationship is with them. Like, right. you know, a joke that I make with a friend of mine that I've known for 10 years is very different than a joke that I can maybe make with someone that I've just met. Sure. And then the purpose is the most important piece, and that's why are you using humor? Because this isn't about just using humor just to have fun. It's not just using it for the sake of humor. It's using it to get better results, to improve your leadership skills or enhance your communication or increase productivity, you know, certain specific roles. So to I think, be effective. Exactly. Uh, and so I think that's part of uh, one thing that can help people. And then I think the other thing to help people use uh, humor appropriately is to understand that in the workplace, it's less about being a comedian. It's not about trying to be the funniest person in the world. It's about, like we said, being effective. And so we can think of positive, inclusive humor. So uh, I consider like the newspaper rule, which is just, would you want whatever it is that you did or said showing up in the front page of your hometown newspaper for your right. boss to read, your co 
coworkers to read, your mom to read. Uh, and if you're like, oh, I don't know if I want my boss to see that I'm you know, impersonating him behind his back, then probably not the most appropriate humor for the workplace. C-Suite Radio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can humor be taught? You say it can? You think everybody has the capacity to be funny? Absolutely. I think that, so what we say is we can teach anyone to be funnier. Funnier. Right, yeah. We can't necessarily make you quote unquote funny across the board that you are going to immediately have a Netflix comedy special afterwards, right? But we can take anyone from where they are to where, uh, you know, the next level. So some people that we work with, they're like, oh, I can never be funny. And we teach them some principles and what it means for setup and punchline, simple things like structure and delivery and content that they can work on. Um, uh, And that helps them. And then some people are like, I'm funny naturally, but I don't know why. And so we teach them some of like kind of the, the structure behind it and why people laugh. And like, oh, okay, now I can be more intentional about it. Now that I understand how it works, I can be a little bit more proactive. Because for me as an engineer, it doesn't suit me to just say, yeah, just do it when it's when it feels right and when it naturally comes to you. I want something to be proactive. It's the same thing with like creativity. People are like, oh, I'm just waiting around for my muse. And that's like inefficient to me. That takes too long. So if we create right. certain structures or certain habits and processes, then we can actually use that to be more creative, to be more humorous. And then the last thing that I would say about it is that to use humor in the workplace, you don't necessarily have to be the creator of humor. So sometimes people, when they're first starting out, they know they want to use humor, but they're like a little worried about saying a joke in front of their peers or they're not sure how it's going to go. So they can be the shepherd of humor or the conduit of humor. They can find an interesting TED Talk that they like and share it with their ah, team. Ah, that's or, a great point. Yeah, they can use images in their presentation so they can share memes in their email, right. whatever it is. They, they don't can... have to be the creator, they're just the conduit. Exactly. Right, that's very, very smart. So is that more of what you can expect in the book? There, 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 it's a process, there's little things and nuggets yeah, so that the, you can the, take away. Yeah, the basis of the book is, is kind of centered around my belief that there's five skills at work. Everyone has these same five skills. They do the same five things. They execute, which is doing a task. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to think critically and creatively. They have to communicate, right, in a way that's relevant and relatable to other people that they understand. They have to connect on a human level, and then they have to lead. They have to be able to influence people. So those, those are the five skills of any role that you have. Right. Uh, the missing skill is humor, and that is in terms of how you do it. And so the book is around how do you use humor across those five skills? How do you use humor so that you execute faster or you think smarter, you communicate better, you connect further, you lead further as well? And uh, that's what's really around the book. And there's 10 humor strategies. So two strategies for each one of those skills around how you can implement humor. So part of that, you'll learn some of the structures and how to be a little bit funnier. But the main focus goes back to that effectiveness. How can you leverage these strategies so that you get better results, so that you can improve each one of those individual skills? And has that been your experience, Drew, that there is humor missing in the workplace and and there could be a, a much greater synergy in a work environment with humor? I mean, do you consult with companies where you see sort of this dearth of humor? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the statistics, it shows that 83% of Americans are stressed out at work. 
55% of Americans are unsatisfied with their jobs and 47% of Americans struggle to stay happy. Wow. And start to realize that the current way of working isn't really working. And when you consider that the average person will work 90,000 hours in their lifetime, yeah, right, that's like longer than watching everything on Netflix, right? That is a lot of time. You start to realize that the current way of living isn't really living. And a lot of times it's because people don't realize that they have control, that they can choose to find ways to, to make things more fun. And, and for whatever reason, we have this mentality that, oh, work just feels like work. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you are lucky and you do what you love, right. you know, you're one of the select few, you're very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. But the reality is that it's more, it's less about doing what you love and more about loving what you do. Well, it's interesting. My brother always says there's a reason they call it work, mm-hmm. not fun. It's not supposed to be fun. If it was fun, they'd say, okay, every day I'm going to fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, right. But you're kind of saying the opposite. No, there yeah. is room for there fun is, no matter yeah, what. There's room for, for both because it's, you know, it's ultimately a third of our life that we spend in the workplace. And that to me is far too long to say, oh, well, I'm not going to enjoy it so that I can try to hopefully yeah. enjoy the other two thirds. But I, I'm just curious though, do you you think it has to come from the top down in an organization? I mean, what about the person who's watching saying, yeah, but my boss does not have a funny bone. I'm afraid to kind of cross that threshold into humor because that's going to possibly impact me negatively. Yeah. I don't think that it has to come from the top down. Like certainly it can help, right? That's how you create the culture of it is, is when it does come from top down. But as an individual, it, it goes back to that choice piece. It goes back to what are you doing individually for yourself? And a lot of times people never try humor, mm. uh, never knowing that people desperately want it. In one study, they found that 81% of employees said that a fun workplace would make them more productive. And roughly half of the people in that same survey said that they would take less money if their job was more fun. Right. Like people are desperately looking for are, it. And yeah. uh, people just don't know that they can use it or they don't know how to use it. And the number one reason why people don't use humor in the workplace is they say that their boss or coworkers wouldn't approve. Fear. Right? They're fearful of it. But the reality is, right, they can't control how you think. They can't control some of these small things that you can do for yourself in your own execution or for your own individual team. Right. And it's my belief that if you were to work on it for a period of time that uh, if and if they said no humor whatsoever, then like, well, maybe it's worth looking at something else. But maybe you're not in the right exactly. job. But a lot of times it's, it's an education thing because senior leaders, they want things that are going to get better results. And when an entire organization uses humor, they see an increase in employee engagement, a decrease in employee turnover, ultimately an increase in profit. So if you went to your boss and you were like, hey, I have this strategy that can help us increase profits. I doubt they would just say no across the board. <laughs> yeah. They'd be like, what do you mean? Let's learn a yeah. little bit more. And that's what we do, right? That's the big focus of the book is to share with people the specific strategies so they can get better results. And we're seeing it across serious organizations as well. So we've recently done some work with the FBI, with the, the wow. Red Cross, with emergency first responders. So people that you think of in very serious roles, they're looking and searching for humor because of the human element. Now, it's great work um, that, that you're doing. And the book is really unique and insightful. And it's things that I, I think seem obvious, but are not easy to execute. And yeah. and you you lay out the map, literally. Thank you for being here. It's terrific. Absolutely. And we Thank look you forward to the next book. Maybe it's about puns. Hey, there you yeah. go. Thanks again. <laughs> if you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website, csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.